Welcome to the Grow Your Business podcast. Listen in as we discuss all things business, growth, and marketing with business owners, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs. And now, here's your host, founder of Roundhouse, the creative agency, Saul Edmonds. Oh, hi, everyone, and welcome to the Grow Your Business podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Neil Salko from Roscoe around the topic, smart financial decisions. Neil, what's up? Saul, how are you? Good. How are you going? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, great to have you on. We've got, um, got an interesting topic today. Uh, Indeed. A, sort of a, broad, a broad one, but I'll, we'll be drilling down into some interesting points, I think. Um, before we get into that, could you just let everybody know who's listening, generally just a bit of an overview of, of who you are, um, Roscoe, sort of services, anything else as a good overview for everyone to get a, a mental picture of of things. Sure. Context is always great. Yes. Um, yes. So my name is Neil from Roscoe Independent Advisory. Uh, we're an independent advisory firm, which means that we're working for our clients and not product providers. So our focus is on financial strategies and reviewing all of the options for clients and really aiming them to simplify the options. Providing an evidence-based investment approach means that our clients also get rewarded for the risk that they take. Hmm. So our clients, they want to be successful on purpose and they've got complex and busy lives and they've either got a lump sum of money or they've got surplus income that they want to make the most of uh, and they don't want to manage it alone. So they want to find someone that they can trust and really what we do is give them, we get them financially organized, give them a clear direction and then help them feel reassured that their money's working for them and invested in a smart way. Hmm. Yeah. So that's that word there to mention trust. I, w- I would imagine like never having personally, I guess we've had financial advice, but we've never had a financial planning, but, but as, as, as such, but I would imagine, you know, especially like a lot of certain industries where people engage particular industries, but especially with financial planning, I would imagine there would have to be like a a fair bit of trust there really for somebody to use someone like yourself. Would that be right? Absolutely. Um, I mean, it's, it's next to your health. It's the most important thing. Uh, And so that bridge um, that you have to cross where you you do take a bit of a leap of faith and even just reaching out to make contact with an advisor. You know, we have uh, just last week, we had a, a prospective client call uh, sharing with us that her friends have been telling her not to call an advisor because they've heard stories about, you know, mm. um, bad outcomes. And certainly there's very, there's many of those. Um, and that's why it's important to do your research. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that's the case with, with probably every single business you can imagine. You know, it's certainly the case in our industry. But I mean, that's right. Like there's a big leap of faith, but that's where, you know, like I guess we all know, but you don't always you don't always realize it until you start talking one to one with a, like an actual person mm-hmm. and if you um and then i guess like a part of that is liking that person i mean that's that's not a it's not a uh unimportant thing i suppose mm-hmm. really is it like it's 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 not necessarily a prerequisite but it's still kind of something that certainly helps it does help. It's it's also probably something to be uh, careful about. Um, as a personal bias, you could be you could you know someone's on stage, you, they have the halo effect, and so there's only 
um, you you listen to everything they have to say as though it's gospel. Yeah. Um, and likewise, you know, liking someone is probably a pre prerequisite for wanting to work with them, but it shouldn't be the reason you work with them either. No, no, um, that's right. But yes, yeah, certainly it's, it's, uh, it's, it's always good to be on the same page and you're going to be working with, especially for, for us, we like to have long-term relationship with clients. So uh, that could be a 20 year relationship. You'd like to think you're going to get along. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, I, I should probably clarify there too, by sort of liking you know, if, if I was to like somebody in, in that sort of role, liking, you know, probably personally as, as one part of it, but also feeling confident and liking that, you know, feel at least like at the very beginning where you don't actually know what, you know, you haven't experienced any outcomes or anything like that yet, that yes. you feel like this person actually knows what they're talking about and, and you like that fact. Yes. Yeah. And look, and that's part of even, even our process of getting to know our clients. It, we understand it's a process. We understand it's a relationship that we're building. You don't get married overnight. Um, uh, so, so, so the engagement process from our point of view is very open. It's transparent and it's coming from a place of care to make sure that we can in fact help. Yeah. We were talking about that before, just when we went mm. uh, before we came on, on, yeah, too, isn't it? It's like when you, you know, caring is, oh, well, they say caring is sharing. If you're going to be like, you know, sharing, sharing your point of view, you know, not necessarily so that it's what somebody wants to hear, but, you know, at the same time, not being, you know, so blinded by that to not realize there's a bigger picture. Like some people, until you get to know them, you know, you sharing advice. This is just like, I mean, my point of view, because it's, you know, from in, in our industry, for example, if we share an opinion about something and then before you know necessarily the exact goals or other details about a project mm-hmm. or about something, you're not in full possession of the facts to maybe make like that, that good, you know, um, that decision where you're, you know, sort of imparting your professional advice yes in in yes. A, in the right sort of way and stuff like you don't always get it right it's 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 a bit you know but ultimately like we we're saying it comes down to knowing people yes as, as well as you can yeah well and again it's down to the context right so you you can't very well give someone financial advice after one minute of knowing them um it takes time to get to understand them to get to understand their values what they're looking to achieve to help them facilitate a conversation, even where you can have that open and, and honest conversation. And I think, you know, when I reflect on some of the conversations we've had lately, uh, probably in the first meeting with clients, the most fascinating things clients come out with is um, getting on the same page with their spouse, being able to have that conversation and turn around and, and go, I didn't know you, you wanted that. or I didn't realize that yeah. was important to you. Um, and so who would have thought that, that seeing an advisor and getting on the same page with your plan could strengthen your marriage? But I think it does. Totally. I would hundred percent agree that the very first time I, uh, my wife and I used, uh, you know, a, um, business coach who, who is, is in our, our chapter that we know, um, you know, Paul, the Mm -hmm. same, same thing, um, or similar thing happened. Is just some simple questions about this and that. And we were like, 
like we're, we're pretty much on the same page, but there was a few things where like, really? Wow. I didn't, I didn't know it was exactly like that. Yes. And it's great. Like it's a great process to go through. It's very enlightening and sort of surprising. We call it the discovery meeting, that first meeting really. I mean, we call it a strategy <laughs> consultation, but really it's about discovery. It's about um, a lot of different areas like you discovering things, but then them discovering things too. Absolutely. And you know, that's part of the process. So when your values are clear, decision-making is easy. That's mm. sort of paraphrased from um, uh, Walt Disney's brother, Roy Disney, the brother or cousin. Um, uh, so it's not my, my words of wisdom, but it's true. Um, when you, when you know, if you're, if you're stuck on a decision and you and you can't see the clear path ahead, if you reflect on your values, the, the path becomes clearer, but it's not always easy to do that by yourself. Mm, yeah. Well, you, yeah, the power, I guess, of the third party of, of, yeah. a, of a outside point of view can make you, it can, it can highlight those things. Yeah. Certainly. What is, and the, more, yeah. Um, no, I, I was just going to say like, um, uh, I was, I was having a look at, at some of the elements of your website too. And mm-hmm. I, I had a quick look. There was, uh, I can't remember the gentleman's name, but one of the video testimonials that you had, um, and he was talking about um, the idea of, of peace of mind too, about mm-hmm. having, you know, peace of mind. And that's certainly something, I just wanted to get your your thoughts too. And I guess probably more broadly your um, experience as, as to how, how often and how common that idea is when people come to you that that's one of their like key things that they're looking for. Absolutely. So, so, you know, clients may come to us on the surface for some reasons, but deep down there's lots of reasons that they're coming to us. They want reassurance. They want to feel confident. They've got that they're heading in the right direction. Mm. Um, you know, and then they want to feel supported um, along the journey because you, you know, you can't just, even even in giving a plan or coming up with a plan, um, the plan's only as good as its its inputs, and it's only as good as how how well you implement it. So, um, otherwise, it's useless. It sits on the shelf. Mm. Um, so so yeah, absolutely. Peace of mind is is something uh, many clients are after, um, and and it's the process that I believe gets them there. Um, yeah. In, in uncovering what's important to them and then to be able to make a smart decision that's not driven by anxiety or, or through stress, you really need to make a calm and rational decision. Um, you need an environment where you can have those conversations, but then also to have the backing of a financial plan that illustrates what's possible and what's not possible and, and has factored in um, you know, bad outcomes too, plan Bs that shows you, look, if this happens, then you'll still be okay. That reassurance um, for someone who is about to stop work altogether, I think is the, the video you're referring to where, they, where they're making the decision to retire. Um, that's huge. And, and it's only through our experience in working with so many clients now that I can say that, that, I, that I know and understand how they feel because I don't. Um, personally, I've never done it. I've never retired. <laughs> um, but I've done it many times vicariously, of course. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so that, that, and that's something that we can, you know, we can share and help with clients that reassurance, but at the same time, for some of them, um, letting them know that they're not quite ready, not quite there, 
and uh, giving them a target so that they they can feel like they're still working for something rather than uh, you know just having to do it every day. Yeah, because you've um, got to have have goal a, a goal or goals, don't you? Like you obviously absolutely. have to have have to have that. It's like with anything. Like you can't you can't hit a target unless you have a target. That's right. Often, what we find interestingly is when for, for some for, for our clients who have set um, making work optional goals uh, in the future, where they've actually now hit both the target and the age, say that they originally set some of these might have been ten years ago or more. Um, they're now in a position where they can make work optional and they're still choosing to, to continue to do it because they either love it or uh, for other reasons, but they're sleeping at night knowing they don't need to. Yeah. I mean, I guess I'm just thinking about other different sorts of strategies like that people have in, in, in business, like say if we do a strategy for somebody about their, you know, their marketing or mm-hmm. something like that, there's like in, in many instances, when there's that sort of strategy or other ones, there's, there's goals and you go and it's, it's sort of reasonably linear. You start at, at A and you end at like E. But um, if I'm correct here, just like, you know, just if, if I'm not sort of quite um, on the money, just let me know. But sure. I would sort of imagine that in some instances, this is just my, I mean, a projection of, of how, how that could work is that in financial planning, I would imagine like it's, it's, there's a lot more different variables and different paths, potential paths for the end. Like, even if you've got say a goal, like you were sort of saying, like the, you to have um, an alternative path to something, because if you go down this path and that Mm -hmm. might look great, but if something happens because these things are relating to investments and potentially other, other factors that you know, having different paths, it, it, it seems like it would almost be a bit more organic. Would that be true? Like in, in that sense, maybe not organic, but have to have other supporting sort of options. Yeah. It's complicated. <laughs> it's um, look, there are a lot of moving parts to financial plan and um, built on a, on a whole bunch of assumptions, which is why we think running many options and many variables and, and running different scenarios is the key to coming up with a strategy or a scenario that clients feel comfortable with because they've sort of looked at all the options of, well, I mean, let's, let's start with a base scenario and, and let's just say, you know, some of the biggest financial goals some clients may want to achieve is, upgrading the family home. Uh, and that's a big decision or even, you know, whether it's the first, the upgrade, the second holiday home, or even the see your tree change, any of those has a range of complexities and strategies to consider. Um, and whether you, you know, bring those forward or push them out and the timing of that and the, how much uh, you should be borrowing potentially as well as is, is a big call because it's not just the family home that you have to factor in. There's, your lifestyle spending, your school fees for the kids, if you're going to send them to private schools and travel and holidays um, and then making work optional um, along with, you know, if you, if you're enjoying, if you, if you enjoy toys, well um, maybe some toys as well, mm. but, um, but all those need to be balanced. And, um, and if, if one of those variables changes or, or, or goes up. So for example, if interest rates go up more than you expected and had planned, well, 
can you still afford the school fees down the track if, if you borrow too much in the beginning for the, for the luxury home for the family? These are things that you need to consider. If, you, if you're not considering, you could be, could be getting yourself into trouble. But, um, but in terms of, let's just say, the options, you know, there, there are many options. You could, you could put money, if you had excess money, or you came into, say, an inheritance or a big bonus or you just had cash, do you put it into super right now? Um, do you put it into, do you leave it in cash where it's earning next to nothing? Do you invest it? And if so, what do you put it towards? Do you buy property? Um, there's, there's so many options to consider. Mm. And if you haven't taken into account all the other things you want to achieve, then maybe you, you might end up heading down a direction that's not necessarily right for you. Mm. Yeah. So then having, having a, as comprehensive as you can make it, I mean, I suppose is, is of utmost importance really, isn't it? It gives you the greatest probability of success, I think. Yes. Yeah. The well, more you, you take know, into account. Yeah. We got to know all the pieces on the chessboard, don't you? Yeah. I have to see if you're, if you're having a game of chess and you're completely ignoring your rook and your knight uh, or only one rook and one knight, then um, you're certainly, you're certainly limiting yourself. Yeah, even though you might be a great player, you might still win, and, and the other person's just a bit, you know, non plastic like overawed by your uh, chess flair, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, flair, flair. Well, that's interesting. You bring up flair. I was trying to come up with how do I play along with this analogy. Um, <laughs> my son's learning chess, and I, I play a bit of chess, but not a lot. Um, yep. And uh, I've seen him play, and. He, he's not bad, but he is a bit of a show off. And when he, especially when he's playing computer at level one, you know, it's, it's easy to win. And he, um, he instead, sometimes I can, I'm watching over his shoulder and he could just go for the win. Like I know he even knows how to go for the win, but why would you go for the win dad when you can get five Queens? Um, and that's fraught with danger. Cause I've seen him do this where he check, he stalemates the guy. Um, because he has too many queens and there's no for the for the king to go, and so what happens is he actually ends up drawing when he could have just won uh, a while ago, and so maybe there's a story in that. I don't know what it is, but it's it's about maybe risk and return, and then making sure that you you really just focus on the strategy that's right for you. What are you trying to do? Are you trying to show off and own five houses, or are you just trying to have a beautiful family home and a, and a and a really nice comfortable lifestyle? I think those analogies do do actually, um, despite the extreme difference between playing a game of chess or like you know having a game of you know some some you know sport or buying a house. There is certainly an element. I'm I'm just thinking of myself playing playing sport. Quite, yeah. I I know I like I, I'm quite happy to admit this that there have been points that my enjoyment, and I would say it is my my enjoyment of playing and wanting to have a good game, it, it, it shouldn't, like it really shouldn't override my desire to, you know, to do what I'm there to do, you know, is it's not, yeah, obviously have fun, have a good game, but I want to win. Right. So, mm-hmm. but I know sometimes if I felt like I'm doing a bit better than the other player, mm-hmm. uh, you can fall into into that trap of moving them around the court when you shouldn't, when you should just go for the, to finish Kill. the rally, yeah. finish the yeah. rally. And like, that's, 
and it's yeah i mean it's quite a similar thing because it's fraught with danger because it's making a series of assumptions about somebody that especially if you haven't played them you don't mm-hmm. know what they're like and you don't know their full gamut of skill set and they might just be having an off night and they're usually way better than that mm-hmm. and then partway through the second game they get back to where they are for sure and then they just finish you off and you're like they're oh, a slow starter yeah yeah they're <laughs> a slow starter there's plenty of people like that and yeah. then they, they, um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's interesting. And I would, yeah, I mean, some of it, you could, I guess, put it into the positioning of, you know, being a show off. That's certainly true. But then there's also, like I said, there's sometimes just, just enjoying the process. She's just yes. a good time. And, and, um, I'm not seeing the wood for the trees. Yes. Well, that's, that's, that happens too. That's why we have progress meetings with clients. You know, um, you set up a, you set up a great plan, you implement the plan, and then you, if you don't review, you don't know how you're doing. So you don't know whether you're improving. You don't know whether you are behind. Um, but but that's exactly what a progress meeting is all about: is to check in, make sure that the plan still makes sense, and make sure that you know that you are adjusting as need be for your game or for your for your goal that you're looking to achieve and then, and then to make sure that you can enjoy it too. So that's um, the one, one story, two stories I'll share. The one is, and it's on the, one of the videos too, that's on the website. It's my favorite one. So first one, and um, Louise talks about um, spending money on holidays and she goes, you know, having done the plan and having done the work, we are so much more relaxed about it and we enjoy spending money on the kids. We enjoy spending money on holidays. And I know that one hits home for me because I know personally I, I struggle with spending money. Uh, I, I'm better at it now, um, but I think I'm one of those as well. It just it hurt to spend, and now it doesn't because I've got plans, uh, and I, and I've matured. Um, but but I can completely understand that one. Um, growing up, and sort of, uh, I don't know why I can explore. I don't think we can. We'll, that, we'll save that one for another podcast. Um, no, I think you. I think you. I think for me too, because I can relate to that. I, I, I don't, I like spending money on things that I really want that I feel yes. are really not things like probably in the past, you, you know, buy things, but I have a real, I, I like to sort of have less things and just things that I really like. Cause I don't more and more just wanting less things around me. I don't mm-hmm. really enjoy things, but the things that I do enjoy are for specific reasons. Yes. And, but then I'm, I'm sort of similar. Like I'm certainly a lot better at it now because generally it's been allocated. Like it's been, it's in, in our own way of sort of yeah. planned for it. We go, because there's less things then mm-hmm. I guess in one way it's easier to do that too. So I don't know whether that falls into the smart decisions bracket, but it's probably, it's uh, certainly yeah. Yeah, I think so. Like the way I, I look at it is, is also it's like a form of mental accounting is um, we have a certain amount as a family budget that we give away every year, um, charity and, and, you know, and, and other causes. And uh, out of that, unfortunately, uh, comes traffic fine offences. So every time we do get a traffic fine offence, unfortunately, a charity misses out, but I don't feel as bad uh, having to fork out additional funds because it's already been allocated in a, in a, and you're still giving it away to somebody. Still giving it away. Correct. Yeah, exactly. But it's a gift, but that's the gift fund. Right. So, um, and the motivation to slow down is that more 
more giving can be given to better causes. Um, but either way, except the governments are not a not-for-profit. Yeah. Yes. I don't think that's a deductible expense on my behalf, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. So, so how did you, how did you, this is like a, this is a big broad sweeping question. How, how did you get into the world of financial planning, Neil? What was the, yeah. at, at what point in your, in, in your youth or soon after, did you, did you go, I want to be, this is like where I want to be, or did it evolve slowly, mm-hmm. sort of gradually? Mm. Well, interesting you bring up my youth. So I remember when I was 17, we had to do a, uh, well, we, 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 as part of our curriculum was we got to do three days work experience, got to choose wherever we wanted to go and do some work experience. Right. And, uh, I couldn't, I asked my parents for some advice as to where to go and they suggested why don't I go with the financial, like their financial planner for the day and learn about financial planning. And I did, and I hated it. It was so boring. It was just going around to, I don't know if you just had a, it was just horrible, but it wasn't what I understand financial planning to be today. But anyway, so at the time I had this idea of financial planning was boring. Um, then went to university and, and did a whole bunch of um, accounting and, and finance roles. And I was, I was um, trying to, I suppose, find where I was going to land in my career and funds management was one element that attracted me. But um, in the end it was, I was living with um, my wife, who's um, my partner at the time, and another couple, and uh, and it was her friend, and she introduced me to her father, who ran a license, and it was after talking with him and really getting to understand what financial planning was really all about uh, that I I sort of fell into it from there and did all the further study. So I was sort of um, qualified as a as a more of a finance major where I could have done corporate finance, um, but really didn't enjoy the corporate world um, that much. You had, isn't it funny how no matter what sort of experiences you, you have, like you're, you're now a financial planner and your very first one was, you know, it was just, you know, that it was, it was really boring. And then mm-hmm. at this, and then it went through this process and then you met somebody else. All those things still play into why you do it now really don't they like they still you know despite the fact that you know you're you saw a version of it then and you had a perspective about it then and then but they ultimately all those things gathered together for yep. why you ended up doing it yeah well and, and then reinventing it so in 2009 mm. essentially was when uh, matt and myself matthew ross and myself formed the license and and um or got our own license, I should say, and, and sort of steered, steered our own ship and um, being an independent advisor at the time. I think back in 2009, I was, we were maybe one of 25 or so, if, I, if my history is correct. Now there's about 200 uh, independent advisors in, uh, in Australia um, that meet, you know, ASICs or Corporations Act definition. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think reinventing ourselves is uh, something that we do often and even questioning ourselves, I suppose this is part of being open-minded is uh, the number of times I review where we're at and what we're doing and why we're doing it and question and go, is this really what we're all about? And then, and then getting it and then mm. feeling like we get it and then go on holiday perhaps and have a different perspective or talk to somebody else and go and, or a, have a client might have a, a, a 
a bit of feedback or whatever it may be, but something just keeps driving us forward then in a better and in a new and better direction. Sounds familiar. It sounds yeah. Familiar. Yeah. Yeah, it really does though. Like it, it's, it's, it is one of those things where I think probably a lot of people just do that if, if you're really into what you're doing and ultimately I think you care about it too. Like if, if you don't care, I imagine you probably like it's, that's not a become that bigger deal because you're not, you're not driven to kind of think about things in a different way. Like if you care enough to, you know, to think how could I improve that or like, is that, or sort of asking those questions like, is that still us? Like, is, is this, Mm -hmm. that was like us. Um, you know, if I think back to how I was or things that I knew or my level of experience, various things like, you know, 10 or 15 years ago in our business, I kind of look back and like, Oh yeah. Was I really like that? And, you know, I was still me, but you know, things have actually changed quite a lot. You know, that don't, at first glance, when you think about them, that kind of don't seem to have. But mm-hmm. if you really, it, uh, if you have um, an analysis of it, they often are because you've just been rethinking things. And, you know, and of course, like, you know, other things, other factors too. You know, those, I mean, like you were saying, there's, you know, um, feedback from clients and just mm-hmm. having different sorts of experiences. They, they certainly inform like a lot of things really don't they definitely i can't stop thinking it's all about the olympic symbol and how many iterations it must have gone through in its many sure. years as you've been speaking i was just straight away my mind went to that um because how many how many do you think you know they've probably revisited that logo at least 50 yeah. times yeah and, and it's still the same it's still the rings right hmm but then if you look at things too, uh, this is one of my, um, certainly not a project, but I've always noticed, I've always noticed with now KFC, right? Mm-hmm. Like I don't go to KFC, but you always go past, you see the kernel, right? And yep. being a designer, I mean, I don't know that other people do this and they're not designers, but I certainly have. I've, I've watched how, how, he, how it's changed quite a lot over the mm-hmm. years if you ask probably the average person on the street they'd be like yeah you know that's that's the logo but the kernel has changed it mm-hmm. changes just about every year or two a little bit yeah. his yeah. hairdo slightly different yeah. he's smiling a bit more mm. he's a bit he's on his side a bit you know it's all like slightly different sort of changing so there is that and that I mean, that's from a marketing point of view, but it certainly still plays into that idea of but it's the same evolution. With, yeah, and it's the same with making smart decisions with money, really, as well, if I could bring it back and segue back. Mm. Um, you know, it's about little decisions that you make that add up and, and small improvements that you make overall. So, you know, you don't just suddenly become wealthy and able to retire. Um, and you don't just suddenly get a six-pack overnight you, you've got to put a plan in place and you've got to actually work it and you've actually got to do every day something diff, like better and improve on it and but those small improvements and that chipping away and just 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 doing what you need to do every day and having that discipline over the long term gets mm. you the results yeah yeah totally but the um i guess that just 
feeding into what we were talking about being an independent um, provider then too, like that idea of independence is obviously a big and important one that you talk about a lot on your website and you speak about a lot too. What, what is the, um, what's the PIFA goal standard of independence that you mentioned? Yeah. Good one. So um, we essentially, uh, I'll start with, take take a step back there's um the corporations act uh has a definition and it actually limits who can use that term independent several terms independent by uh, unbiased conflict free um and it protects those terms on purpose because of course they're very important and um and and if a client thinks they're getting independent advice and really they're being flogged a product then that's a very bad outcome so that's the the corporations act definition <clears throat> now, what PIFA, as an organisation, similar to Heart Foundation, sort of tick, um, you know, to guide Australians on healthy eating choices, the PIFA gold standard of independence is there to guide Australians on how to choose a financial advisor that meets the definition of independent, uh, but also um, essentially has no affiliations with product providers, does not charge a percentage-based fee as well on investments and doesn't accept any form of commissions, including on insurance. So uh, those three uh, ticks get you the gold standard. Um, they're very hard to, to tick. Mm. Why is it, why in, in, your, um, in your mind now, obviously having worked with many, many people, uh, is why is, uh, or has it been, I'm assuming that it is important for many people who come to you that they come to you partially then because you're a, uh, because you are independent. Is mm-hmm. it, uh, so what's, what's, what's their usual um, feedback, if any, about, about that being an important point yeah. to them? Well, yeah. So that depends on how they've come to us. So, and whether they're advised currently or not. Um, so some clients have never seen an advisor and, uh, they just intuitively decided they'd rather go with an independent advisor, Googled independent financial advice and found us, uh, some would, uh, have an advisor. They've had advice in the past and either not been quite satisfied with it, um, because of the conflict or been educated. They've watched, uh, you know, ABC report from a few years ago or, or read, uh, anything from Scott Pape talking about independent financial advice or, or whatever and understand the concept. And once again, they're either Googling or they're doing their research and finding us and, and, and making that um, just, just wanting to talk just as a starting point, just wanting to talk to an independent advisor rather than going to a bank. Mm. And, uh, and then there are clients that I suppose have found us where they're currently advised by someone who's maybe not independent and they've, they've just had questions in the back of their mind, either it's, it's um, uh, blatant and they're just not feeling value and it's very clear that the same provider's name on their license is the same providers on their products. Um, and so they, they're feeling very uh, conflicted or they're feeling like there's conflict or it's just a feeling. There's just something about it they just don't like the or the percentage-based fees, which can be, to be frank, um, uh, both conflicting for an advisor, but also a ripple for clients. Hmm. If clients are have a significant sum of money and you're, they're being charged a percentage-based fee for that, um, 
the question has to be asked whether there's true value being delivered or whether it's just a nice and fancy way for an advisor to, to make a lot more money with clients who have a lot more money and, and moving it from, their, from the one pocket to the other hmm. um, rather than actually delivering value for that service. Um, hmm. When you work on a fixed fee basis, uh, which isn't dependent upon the volume of uh, funds, the conversation can open up to many different, uh, first of all, it's not conflicted in that you're not thinking maybe I should get this client to invest more with us because then we earn more money. Uh, but also you can consider strategies like, well, maybe the best thing for this client to do is pay off their debt instead of investing money in some cases. And I'll share with you one that, uh, my, that Matt prior to the core, I had a chat with him and he was mentioning a story. One of his favorite stories was, a client wanted to purchase a second investment property. And in the end, not only did we tell them to not purchase it, but we told them to sell the one that they've got because it was assessed as a, as a non-growth area and to spend money on upgrading their family home now and getting a pool while the kids were young, rather than having to do it when they thought they could afford it, when the kids would be out of school. Hmm. It makes no sense. So the focus was less about, growing wealth and more about just enjoying life. And, and, and don't worry, we've still got a plan in place that they can, that they can grow their wealth and retire, et cetera. Mm. But, the, but we, we helped them shift their focus to what was actually important. And they still, to this day, you know, thank us for getting the pool. They love it. Um, now, um, forgive me, I'm, I'm lost as to why I went to there. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, because we were talking, uh, we were talking about PFAR and, and the standards and independent. Oh, kind of, that's right. Yeah. Funds under management. So I was saying funds under management percentage-based fees means that if you're not focused on the money, yep. you can actually deliver real value and, and real solutions to real problems rather than thinking, well, this is the way to invest and just throw the money at us and we'll just take that and charge you a percentage to look after it. It Makes doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. 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 It makes a lot of sense too, because I mean, uh, you're right. I mean, it's, it's, uh, you'd have to be, a, um, I think, a fairly strong person in one respect that if, if, you, if you're in a situation where you're incentivized to act a certain way mm-hmm. and then like, and you put yourself willingly in that position and you're, you know, that's, that's uh, you know, that's the case and your sort of income and, you know, what you get out of it is based on that whole sort of relationship and setup, then like there's really not going to be any real reason why you're not going to do that. I mean, you're yeah. going to be then always doing that, aren't you? Well, look, you well, can find. I don't think so. Well, yeah, mm. I mean, that's a, it's not obviously as black and white as, as mm. that. And I don't like mean to paint, you know, it, it in any sort of way, but it, it's, it is still an important point. Cause if you're, if there's a very strong incentive to do something, you, you probably wouldn't be in that position in the first place unless you were going to be doing that. No, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, Look, incentives, incentives are great for the right reasons and they're not so good for, for other things. And mm. when you put a financial professional in a position where they can be incentivized to recommend a product over another or more product equals more money, um, then it, it, creates an element of conflict. Now, 
the advisor in question might have the highest standard of ethics. And that is what the current, uh, you know, future financial advice reforms are working towards is a code of phasier standards, codes of ethics. And so in mind, people may feel like they're independently minded Mm. and that's good. That's a really good starting point to work with an ethical person that doesn't take away the unfortunate position of having a, if their ownership is compromised, they may find that they have a limited base of products and suite of products that they are allowed to recommend to their client, even if they're well-intentioned. And likewise, if their remuneration structure Mm. is conflicted, and that may not be them, they may be ethically minded, but the business model is such that they charge percentage or whatever it is, then unfortunately when the plan comes out, it may find that it's geared towards a certain uh, direction and that, that has nothing to do with the advisor and everything to do with the, the model. Mm. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, that, those things are all very relevant across, you know, obviously in, in the financial sector. And mm. once again, like I'm, I'm just thinking as we're talking about numerous examples of that in our own industry and, and, and in other industries where there's a more suitable, better service or product that really should be recommended. That's going to mm-hmm. prob- probably save people money and time and energy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there is a, is a, a great example is, is the countless times actually where we've, where people have wanted a website and they have gone to a particular product or solution online and we've got the job, but I've, I've had, had to tell them, or, or I haven't, haven't had to, but I've sort of been morally kind of obliged to go, well, you could, but what do you want to do in the future with this site? Even if that isn't now, if you're going to do this in the future, yeah, just, it it means you're going to have to rebuild your site if if you if you take this and you're going to have to spend twice as much money and i mean yeah. that's not i i would rather you not do that i mean i'm talking myself out of a job but ultimately it 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 in most instances comes back to um you know we'll we'll probably have some a relationship in the future anyway and if not i mean so be it but um yeah that's fine but mm-hmm. it it's still it doesn't you know, it doesn't sort of sit well when you know someone's got a certain goal yes, and you still give them advice that is not going to lead them there or it means they're going to have to spend more money than they need to. Yes. Um, yeah, definitely. And I mean, yeah. that's, that's, that's just, you know, helping people out, I guess, isn't it? That's definitely look and, that, and that's your personal ethics coming into it. And, and you would hope that every business owner has those personal ethics when working with others. Um, we're talking about, the the worst of the worst offenders that are you know always the cowboys that bring an industry down, um, and it's and and in fact even though I've been talking about independence and how important it is and I do believe that you will find that if if there are people listening who have advisors or are considering working with advisors you will still find wonderful beautiful people out there who are advisors who are not independent, oh, and they will do their and they will do their best to 100%. help you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, I think really to be honest, like in in my experience, I don't know what you think, but I think most people are nice. You know, I think most, yeah. most people, you know, do you know, have really good intentions and they try, you know, really hard for their clients or for whatever they're doing for people. Most people do. And then you just, you know, learn by things that you don't do right and so forth. I mean, that's the case with everyone, but the, um, 
I just, I just realized this, this might seem really obvious and really silly that I didn't actually recognize this until just now, but I just realized that the name Roscoe was a combination of obviously of Matthew Ross and Neil Selko. I had well no, done. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yay, for, yay for me. Yeah. Well, that's right. Well, we, 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 at the time when we were forming Roscoe, we did come up with another name. But um, but we we ended up changing it at the last minute because I think we read some bad press about that same name. I think it was going to be uh, Freeman or Free Free Freeman, yeah, Freeman, like Freeman Independent Advisory. And yeah. uh, I think then so there was some press about someone at the time who came out as uh, seeing some crime, and his name was Freeman, and we took it as a bad omen. And <laughs> yeah. and and in the end, we didn't we didn't like it anyway. Uh, and so Roscoe sort of became the default with the combination of the names, and then. I think it was about three years ago now, four years maybe, we went back to clients and staff and um, and really just surveyed everyone to say, well, what do you think of the name we're thinking of changing and and and, um, and sort of forming a different brand and direction? And the feedback was overwhelmingly, do not do that. We love Roscoe. <laughs> and so yeah. it was... So it was yeah, it's it was, kind of friendly. Yeah, it's kind it of a friendly, friendly name. Yeah, it's a friendly... Yeah. It's very it's, Aussie. It... Yeah, it is. It's, Talk to Roscoe. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually one of the really good, good things, which is, is usually never talked about, but it's, but it's a real thing in terms of um, just like practical things like searching and finding people online is that there's actually a lot of, there's kind of advantages and disadvantages either way of having a much more unique, less, yeah. less searched term or word because mm-hmm. it makes it then a lot easier for you to be the most dominant player in that. Yes. You know, yeah. and then, which we definitely are with Roscoe. I think the only other Roscoe out there is someone who's an artist. Um, yeah. Or yeah. the, or Roscoe in Russia or Germany or, or wherever it is. Or say like Moscow, Moscow. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. But yeah. yeah, it is, it is certainly the case. But um, so when, um, when you're, doing your work for people is mm-hmm. most, if, if not all of the work that you actually end up um, delivering to people from in, in house, or do you also advise people to use you know, other, uh, other service providers for different aspects of what you do? Yeah. We work very much as a team with other professionals as well. So mm-hmm. initially clients will come in and they'll see an advisor and, and possibly work with paraplanner. Um, in formulating a plan, but part of that plan and implementing it might be to work with a great accountant and and a really good uh, legal specialist uh, in estate planning, for example, um, and then um, a, a, a lending specialist if you're going to borrow money, um, business coach if you're going to be running a business. You know, all these aspects are really important. And so, um, when it comes to implementing plans, clients' needs change over time, and so we manage that that team of advisors you know that 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 they're working with um to make sure that everyone's still on the same page as well especially if it's a complicated strategy that needs that has many moving parts if you're somewhat of a um a facilitator then of like of of, of other other aspects yeah don't want to say project manager but there is definitely some project management and and maybe leading the charge and sort of bringing people together you know we sort of overlook the overall plan uh, but we're not experts in tax by any stretch of the imagination. We can certainly give advice on, around strategies to minimise, but when it comes to doing your tax return, 
there's no better place than going to your accountant to get that done. We don't do tax returns. Uh, we're, we're certainly uh, able to help clients in understanding the, um, the implications to their estate of certain strategies and how we might then mm. want to facilitate or, or ensure their estate plan is in order, but the will is done by a, by a lawyer. Mm. Um, so we can coordinate a lot of things by understanding how various aspects of their financial world impact on one another. Um, whereas if you went to one professional, they would typically deal with the one issue. Mm. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I, I would always like, I would always, I guess, kind of imagine that would be the case, but I, I would also imagine that you would, um, you know, with the wide gamut of different sorts of, you know, people's finances and experiences that some of that, um, of the other people that you engage with and the things that are done would rub off on you to some extent, would I be right? Like in not obviously becoming, you know, super knowledgeable in that area, mm-hmm. but just, just through osmosis, just like, you know, through, um, how, how things are done, not necessarily the nuts and bolts of it, but yeah, just like outcomes and, you know, yes. Um, yeah, look, we, we're, we're, we're able to, through, through sharing of war stories, I think, with other trust professionals, we get a pretty good understanding sure. of how things can go wrong if they're not done well. And so, and then seeing some things as well that, that haven't gone right or where they've gone right and then um, been explained to, um, you know, to us why, why they did what they did. And so that knowledge, you know, it's, 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 it carries over to the next client um, even if we don't say anything, we've got it in the back of our minds um, of because it's there, you yeah. know, and, and, we, and we've got it and we know what to look out for. And suddenly, you know, just suddenly something doesn't feel right. And you go, I don't even have, I don't even know why it doesn't, but I have an intuition that something's not right about that. And you, then you pin it down you go, you look through the D de- you can't work out what it is. And then finally you'll get to a level of detail and you go, there it is. Their child's only 13 or whatever it may be. Uh, that's a problem for this. They should, they need to be 16, whatever. You know what it is, mate. Yeah. There's something there that, that you intuitively as an expert understand something doesn't feel right and, the, and you can work out what it is, but it, it's hard to put exactly, uh, exactly how you know that. It's just spider senses. Neil. Yeah. Spider yeah. senses. Your that's quiet, quiet intuition that you, that, that you just, you know, absorb over time. And your friend, your friendly neighborhood independent financial advisor. Yeah, I, <laughs> I would. Yeah. Well, there's maybe, maybe don't go there, but it sounds good. It sounds, <laughs> it sounds exciting. It sounds like an exciting new way to present the financial industry, but maybe also a big mistake. So probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> don't might, might ruin your reputation. Um, so don't do it. Um, we won't. <laughs> that's good. Good. Good solid advice for for Neil. So Neil, um, like in I guess at the at the tail end of our conversation, have you got like any any other um, any other sort of pieces of information or things that you'd like to share specifically about you know the on the topic about I guess that idea of making smart. Mm-hmm. You talked around a lot of different detail, but when when you say when you say like a smart um, decision, I know for most people and me included that seems obvious what that means. But 
for you, when you're talking to people, what do you mean by a smart financial decision? Yeah, good question. So, uh, look, a smart financial decision is one where you have factored in um, enough in your decision-making process that the decision-making process itself was smart. The outcome is something that you can't always control. And so you want to be able to look back at an outcome and say, was this, was, was the decision to do this still a smart one in hindsight? Now, obviously with perfect hindsight, you might have done something different having known what happened, but with everything, you know, at this stage, can you make a smart decision? I suppose to add to that, you know, around our investment philosophy, um, and how invest, you know, because that's a big responsibility that we've got to mm. actually invest a client's money with confidence. So what we've done there is developed a robust and compliant framework to maximize the probability of success and have a have a positive investment experience. Mm. And really, it's based on three core principles. And the first one is no forecasting. So we don't have a crystal ball, and we don't entertain the forecasts of the future. You know, forecasts tell you more about the forecast than they do about the future. Yeah, right, yeah. Um, and so you don't need to be able to predict the future to have a positive investment experience. And evidence has proven that repeatedly, um, and especially for those that try, that they often fail. So that, that's the first element. The second is, you know, employing a scientific approach. And so this is about making sure that you control things like cost, being highly diversified, have an emphasis on getting higher expected returns. That's an element of being smart. You know, you can target, uh, you know, how do you invest money? So how do you get a higher expected returns? And what do I mean by that? Well, you can go and put money in the Australian share market. Let's say it was 1980 and you put $100,000 in the ASX 200 mm. and you didn't do anything for 40 years. You just reinvested any proceeds you got and just, just, stuck it out for 40 years, you'd have around five and a half million dollars, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, now, you didn't need a crystal ball to do that. You just needed time and to employ a scientific approach. Now, the sad news is that most investors don't get those sort of returns mm. and they're not getting them because they're trying to predict the future by jumping in and out of markets and not sticking in their seat when they should. They're paying too much in fees, so they're missing out hugely on returns there. Mm. And they're probably not diversified. I know I just gave the example of the ASX 200, but you, you would want to consider putting your money in other areas and not just the Australian share market. Um, to ignore any other areas is to cost yourself higher expected returns over the long term. And then there are other elements of how you might go about making more money by taking slightly higher risk than the standard market portfolio. And that should generate higher expected returns as well. But you've got to be comfortable with that. Mm. And that leads me to the final point of point three, I suppose, which is it's got to be customized to you. It's all very well to have all this, but if the recommendations aren't based on your goals, your expectations, your tolerance for risk, tax position, and any preference you've got then towards property or sustainable investment options, those all need to come into play. And that, I think that's how you can make some smart decisions when it comes to investing your money. I think that's a damn good answer. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I'm, I'm glad I asked that question. As, I am glad too. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> yeah, no, because I mean, I, I try, I mean, not always successfully, but you know, when you, when there's really broad things, you know, like our, our topic is broad, right? But it's also deceptively broad because there mm-hmm. is, as you just showed, there is a very specific sort of answer to it. And I think you answered that really well. And I hope that was like really clear for people listening too, because I think that's like really, really sort of good advice that even though I, I haven't um, used any services like, like yours, I can still really relate to that. That's like very relevant. And, you know, so thanks. And with that, Neil, I'm going to ask you to provide a wonderful relevant quote that you're going to share with everyone, if you will. Sure. Um, (laughs) At some point in the future, you'll either have the things you want in life or the reasons why you don't. Ah, yes. Nice. Did you come up with that, Neil? I didn't, no. I think it may have been a client of ours that it sort of circled through the advisors and become part of our everyday speak. But we think it's a perfect amount of motivation and care and um, and push people need to make some decisions and take ownership of their outcomes and, and their own decisions as well. Is that on the internet? I believe it is i'm probably going to go add it to my website as just straight after this call yeah, I think but I be, i'm pretty sure it's in a it's in a one of our videos i think it's uh, the financial roadmap video on, make on sure, strategy analysis make sure you have it looking really nice because it's a good one that's a good one yeah. it should be it should be shared um and and also just before we <clears throat> we do our final um sort of sign off i'd just like to say um thanks again neil it was a real well, pleasure and thanks for sharing like all all that information around the topic i think it's it's really good um really good advice and i hope anyone um sort of listening um, sort of got something out of that because i think it was very very good um could you also share with everyone uh details on how people listening can learn more about you roscoe um and how they can get in contact sure so probably our website is the best, which is www.rosco.com.au. And I'm sure that'll be easy enough to find with. Uh, how do you, how do you spell Rosco? Just in case they don't know. R-O-S-K-O-W. Not, not R-O-S-C-O. C-O, no, yeah. no. So yeah. Rosco, K-O-W. And it's not Roscow. <laughs> <laughs> There's no moves. It's Rosco. But if you want to call us Roscow, that's fine too. So that's probably the best is to go to the website. Um, a lot of information on there, but the contact us page itself has uh, the ability to, to book in an initial call with either the Brisbane or Melbourne office or a contact us form where you can share a bit um, and then we can be in, in touch um, or just pick up the phone and call us and we will uh, have an initial or schedule an initial call. Mm, that sounds pretty good. Don't, don't call. You can call them Ross Cow, but just don't call them late for dinner. Hey, Neil. <laughs> yes. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. I do apologize to everyone listening. I, I had to say that. So with, so with that in mind, that's actually it for today, guys. Thanks so much for listening into our podcast. Before we go, please leave your feedback as well as any suggestions for topics you would like us to discuss in future episodes. Thanks again for listening to the Grow Business Podcast, and we'll see you again soon. Bye, guys. 
Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Grow Your Business. Have a great day and we'll see you next time here at the Grow Your Business podcast.